Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Today I get the privilege of opening up the book of Kings to us so that we can unfold and look inside of it and get a, I like to call it a nugget, get a nugget for our life for this day. Um, now, as we look at the book of Kings, I'm going to do a really quick, I'm going to give you an overview, then I'm going to give you a nugget. That's what I like to do. I just like to give you a quick overview. Boom, this is what it was, and then give you a quick nugget. But before I do that, I will say this. I love, one of my favorite Bible, uh, Bible characters is Elijah. Oh my gosh, I love the story of Elijah. And we're not even going to touch on Elijah's story. We're not going to touch on Elijah's story or Elisha's story at all. And which happens to be one of my favorite books, which makes it even more difficult because I feel like I need to share something else to you. You know, I had a conversation this week with my good friend up in Maryland. And one of the things uh, he's struggling with, and I I could see it in every conversation we had, is he's struggling with the fact that he was raised a Christian. And he sees so many men and women of God who have fallen over time. Whether they are mighty men of God who uh, proclaim uh, huge messages, got tens of thousands of people saved, or even the man of God who we grew up on at that church who end up falling towards the end of his ministry period. It's, 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 he's struggling with the fact that men and women of God can fail. But let me just help us out here. There is a reason why men and women of God fail. We're going to look at it today. We're going to look in the word and find out why it is that men and women of God fail. But here's something else I want you to look at. If you look at a man and a woman of God, a powerful pastor, preacher, evangelist, and you put them on a pedestal, you have to realize if you were on that same pedestal, you too would fall. Because we're no different than Pastor Jody. We're no different than Craig Hagins, Craig Hagins, Kenneth Hagins. We're no different than uh, these great men and women of God who've gone before us, Joyce Myers. We're no different than them. Only difference is we're not in the limelight. So if you're struggling with that today, you're watching online, let me tell you, it's all good. One of the benefits we have of being a believer is when you mess up, you ask God to forgive you, you get your butt back up, and you keep it moving. So, that was a preemptive. So, let's get into this. All right, so, the overview of the book of Kings. Here's what we need to know. Book of Kings followed right after uh, uh, Samuel. And it takes place right after um, the book of Samuel ends. And King David has done all these great exports for the Lord. Uh, he is now old, uh, and he needs to appoint a king to take over Israel. He appoints his son, Solomon. Through whatever happened, there was a turmoil. He appoints his son, Solomon. Solomon becomes king. He becomes the wisest man who ever lived in all of Israel. He becomes the wealthiest man who ever lived in all of Israel. He does all these great things. Then at the end of Solomon's life, he appoints his son. His son, his son does some stupid things as a young man would. And the the, the kingdom is divided. It's divided by the ten tribes to the north, I believe it is, and and the two tribes to the south. So now you have two tribes that doing, I mean, doing at one point, they're all together. Now they're divided. And they end up warring against each other for periods of time throughout this book of Kings. And while they're warring against each other and different, different people believe in different things, you will see that it says 
this king rose to power in essence, and this king followed his own ways and he got taken out. This king rose to power, he followed his own ways, or he didn't follow the Lord, he got taken out. It goes on and on, the different tribes. You may have a glimmer of hope in the middle of those where you have Hezekiah and Josiah and the, the, the southern kingdoms who they rose to power and they follow after God. But besides that, the 20 and the 19 kings in these different kingdoms, they all decided to do their own way and they end up dying. Then we pick up at the end of the book where it, go, it shows that this mighty kingdom which David had uh, been, had the opportunity of leading for 40 years with Solomon had the opportunity of leading for 40 years now they're on a brick of destruction and now these kingdoms are carried off into exile and the book closes that's the book of kings in a nutshell that's what it is it's very simple and plain but my question is how is it how is it that you can have a A man who the Bible quotes as having a man after God's own heart. And then you go to the next generation and this next generation doesn't get it. How is it that you can have a great, powerful pastor and his children still miss out? How is it that I could be a holy, mighty man of God and my daughter could be a heathen? How is it? You... (laughs) I think there's an area of compromise, and this is the word we're looking at today. This is our nugget today. We don't want to compromise. There's an area of compromise that happened, and we're going to look at it in Kings, but I also want to tell you that David also had compromise, and that was in Samuel. Remember the story? David sitting up on the porch. He was supposed to go off in war, but he's sitting up on the porch, and he caved into his own lustful pleasures, and he looked out, and he saw this sweet, fine thing. And he told him, bring me that Bathsheba. The area of compromise. When we compromise in any area of our life, eventually destruction will come. It's only a matter of time. It's like the dominoes effect. Right? You put one domino line up to the next domino, next domino. When one domino falls, all the rest of them will eventually fall. You can guarantee it. And you can quote them. So here's what we're going to say. As I just jumped over all this. I don't even need this. All right. Here's what we pick up. David, in 1 Kings 1.1, it says that King David was now very old, and no matter how many blankets uh, they gave him, he could not keep warm. So we find that King David is now ruler. And then we fast forward to 2 Kings 25, and it says this about the end of the life. It said that in the 37th year of the exile of King Jay of Judah, evil monarch ascended to the Babylonian throne, he was kind to Jay and released him from prison on April 2nd of that year. He spoke kindly to Jay and gave him highly, a higher place than all the other exiled kings of Babylon. in Babylon. He supplied Jay with new clothes to replace his prison uh, gra- uh, You know the word. And allowed him to dine in the king's presence for the rest of his life. So we see that David was a man of God, powerful king, then his, his dynasty after him is now in exile. They're now prisoners. So the question is, how does this happen? And to understand that, we need to look at what the word compromise is. Now, there's two sides to compromise. There's a compromise that comes with um, when you sign an agreement with other people, right? It's um, to settle a dispute by mutual concessions, right? It's the kind of uh, compromise you make if you're going to purchase a house. 
You have this a figure and number, this person has this figure and number, but you also want certain things, so you're willing to compromise on how much you'll pay to get what you want. It's what business people do on a regular basis, right? You go and you want to you uh, do a different business venture with another a business person, and so you say, all right, give me these things, I'll give you these things. That's an act of compromise. Or it's what you do with your child, right? Let's just say you're raising a, a little boy and you're trying to teach him how to potty train, and he don't want to get on the toilet, so you give him the iPhone so that he can... Use the toilet. I thought they had a picture. They don't have the picture. That's what. There you go. You give him the iPhone so that he'll sit on the toilet and use the toilet. You compromise. Now that's one area of compromise. That's a good compromise, right? If I'm a husband, uh, I know that it won't always be about me. It has to be about my wife. So I may do things that I don't like to do because it benefits our relationship so that when mommy and daddy time happen, it happens. An area of compromise. But there's a bad side to that coin. And this compromise says this. It's to accept standards that are lower than a desirable. That, that are lower than desirable. To accept a standard that is lower than desirable. Synonym, synonyms. Synonyms. Goodness gracious. Synonyms are to undermine, weaken, damage, injure, Harm, jeopardize, endanger, discredit, dishonor, shame, embarrass. These are those compromises where you go, you know what? I'm just going to have one drink. It'll be okay if I stay out just a couple minutes later. I'm just going to watch this movie. I'm just going to listen to this song. I'm just going to smoke this one time. Oh, it's okay if it's a little white lie. It's not that big of a deal. If you compromise in one area, eventually the dominoes effect will happen and it will lead to destruction. Joyce Meyer says compromise means to go just a little bit below what you know is right. It's just a little bit, but it's the little foxes that uh, spoil the vine. It's just a little bit. It's okay if I just do it just this one time. I compromise for most of my life on my weight. It's okay if I eat just this one bowl of cereal. I'll start on Monday. I'm just telling you physically. I'll start on Monday. And how many of us, when it's on a Tuesday, we say, okay, we'll start back next week. You know, it just passed Monday. I'll, I'll start back next Monday. We do this over and over again. It's a little compromise. Next thing you know, you're overweight. You're like, how did I get here? I can tell you how to get there. I, matter of fact, I can give you a book on how to get there. I did it my whole life. It's a compromise. It's the little things. And you got to grab those little things so that it doesn't ruin your life. I want you to see this because I want to give a a good picture. In the book of Psalms, it gives us an amazing picture of what compromise looks like. Psalms, the very first chapter of Psalms, the very first verse, it says this. Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. I'm a, Matt, would you come up for me? I feel like Matt is more of a, a spiritual force. Like, he's, like, really big. I feel like when we fight with God, we have, like, this huge angel, and then it's just like, you're the devil and you're just small. That's how I feel. Like, we just, I just want to give you this visual image. So stop right there for a second. Here's what it says. Thank you, Matt. You look good, by the way. Not as good as me, but that's okay. All right. 
We're going to walk. So, the <laughs> compromise happened. It says, blessed is the man, walk with me, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Understand that when you're walking with the wicked, it takes place on a daily basis. It's you're just having a conversation. How was your day? You're doing good? That's awesome. That's amazing. You know what? Uh, did you watch the game last night? All right, that's great. It's just walking with them, just having a regular conversation with them. But at some point, while you're walking, you make a compromise and you stop. And you, you go deeper in that conversation. Man, you talk about the game. You see how good the dogs look this year? It's a deeper conversation. They pull you in. Not only that, then, you mind if we sit on the stage? You go a little deeper. No longer are you in the, I can't even get down there. Don't even worry about it. You, you get the picture. This, I feel like that's a far way to go. You get the picture. It's, you first start off, walk with me again. You first start off and you're just next to him. Whereas at any moment, you can get out of the conversation. At any moment, you can leave and go the other way. But the moment, as you're walking with them, you start to engage and you stop. And you start standing next to this force. You are a force, by the way. you big and strong. You start standing next to this force. You're engaging more in the conversation. You can no longer easily just turn and leave. Sure, you are available. You can easily just go a little bit farther. But because you're standing, you can't leave them that fast. Math, do me a favor. We're going to walk and we're going to stop. And then as we stop, I'm going to try to turn and leave. I want you to just not police force grab me, but just grab me. All right? Let's go to the side. Because we're walking, right? And we're just having the conversation. Next thing you know, we stop, and I turn to leave. He can easily grab me, right? And you, you hung me up, man. I feel like I was in prison. <laughs> Off of me. Like, <laughs> because I stopped. Once I stop, I can't leave as easily. He has me. Then he can force me to sit my lazy, stanky butt down. Don't Please don't force me to sit down. He can, he can force me to sit down and listen to what he has to say. That's what compromise looks like. Thank you, Matt. Give Matt a hand clap. I'm sorry if I got coffee breath, by the way. That's, that was the devil. That was the devil. All right. Did you see that, though? Compromise happens one step at a time. One decision at a time. Slowly, over the period of time, then your life is ruined. You can't get out of it once you're stuck on that ground. You can't easily just turn around and get out of it because you have already made a choice that I'm going to follow it. I'm going to walk. I'm going to stop. I'm going to talk with them. I'm going to engage in the conversation. And when that happens, destruction is not that far behind. We see this. We see this in Solomon's life so clearly. Here was the wise king of Israel. When he was ascending to the throne, he asked God. God met with them. What can I give you? I'd have been like, you know what? Let me get a closet full of shoes, uh, a couple of bags of uh, chips, uh, some Ice cream, I like vanilla. Uh, you know, I gave him a laundry list of things. Solomon's like, you know what? Give me wisdom so I can rule your people right. I want to be like my, I want to, I just, I want to make sure that I'm doing this thing right. My dad didn't set me up for success. That's a whole other story. But give me wisdom. God appeared to him, gave him the wisdom. Then we find out. <gasps> In 1 Kings 3, 1, it says this. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, which is not a bad thing in itself, I guess. And he married one of his daughters. He brought her to live in the city of David until 
he could finish building his palace in the temple of the Lord and the walls around it. That doesn't seem that bad. It's just one wife. It's just one alliance with one nation. Until you fast forward and see what happens. Until you see that this was the start of his compromise. All right. Uh, First Kings 11 says this. This is what it ends up being. Now Solomon, now King Solomon, loved many foreign women's. Mm. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, Sidon, and from the Hittites. The Lord clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry any of them because they would turn your hearts to their God. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. I'm a, let me. Solomon loved the ladies. <laughs> I mean, it says he insisted on loving them. Solomon was a player. Like, I'm from, the, I'm from Detroit. We, you know, he was getting high-fired from all his boys. Solomon was a player. He loved a lady. Oh, look at the lady. Okay, baby. Okay. Hey, boo-boo. <laughs> Solomon loved the ladies. That was his pleasure. That was his passion. And he compromised his life based on his passions. When you compromise your life based on your passions, you're going to end in destructions. It's only a matter of time. So Solomon loved the ladies. But we carry on, and it says this. He had 70 wives. 30 concubines. This man was 300 concubines, 700 wives, 300 concubines. This man had a, over 1,000 women. <laughs> we understand this. As married man, my wife has me wrapped on the palm of her finger. And I love my wife. You imagine, she said, uh, Stephen, we need to buy a new car. I'm going to buy a new car. It's in my will. She said, Stephen, we need to buy such and such. Stephen, you need to go jump off a hill and, and die. I'm going to jump off because I love my wife. But it's because of what my wife gives me. Solomon had a thousand women that he had to please. And those thousand women turned him upside down, inside out. The word is they turned him out. And when they turned him out, his heart got corrupted. Because they, all they had to do was come into the room and ask Solomon what, what they wanted, and he gave it to him. I'm trying not to be too graphic because we have a mixed audience. But they came into the room, Solomon, <laughs> can I have a, a pole to worship my God? Oh, girl, you get what you want. Come over here. They turned Solomon out and they gave, he gave in and it turned his heart because we continue on in verse four in Solomon old age. They turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord, his God. Do you see what happens when that first domino falls? It's an end result. It started as just one wife. It started as just one little passion. It started as insignificant 
as a baby. But the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's not satisfied with you just having little baby sins. He wants that baby to become a full adult, as the word says, that brings death. I am so sorry. But if you're compromising an area of your life, you need to change that right now. Ah! Sorry. Listen, listen, listen. We're Christians. And I know I was raised in a Christian household. Christian. I was raised in a Christian-ish household. Which means we went to church on Sunday and we were at the club on Saturday. We went to church on Sunday. We were doing whatever we wanted Monday through through Saturday. So I was raised in a Christian-ish household. I knew the right things to say. I knew that as long as they didn't see me doing it, I was all good. But God is not a... God is not, God is not okay with our sins. He's not okay with the area of your life that you have allowed to slide all these years. He is not okay with you coming before him on Sunday saying, God, take me as I am. Yes, he will. Let me, let me clarify. He will take you as you are. That's how loving is. Jesus even died as you were. He died while you were yet a sinner. But understands, once you cross over from death to life, he now has a new standard for your life where you can no longer go on living the way that you have before. Now it's time for you to turn things around and change your life. Now it's time for you to no longer compromise in those areas that can bring death and destruction. And now you need to line your life up with God's word. You can no longer walk with the enemy and have conversations and stand and sit with them. Now you need to take up the mind of Christ. You need to renew your thoughts. You need to change the way you're doing things so that you can live for him for the rest of your life. Because otherwise, there's going to be destruction. There will be death. There will be divorce. There will be businesses going under. There will be people put in prison. There will be children's lives at stake because we are compromising in areas of our life. Don't think God is not in the business of having you completely dependent on him. He wants you to be completely dependent on him. If it means he has to allow you to be broken so that you can follow him, he will allow you to be broken. He will allow those things that are done in the darkness to be brought to the light. He will allow you to get broken up from your family, separated, wondering how in the world, because you thought the grass was greener. And then when you get out there on the other side of the grass, you realize I missed it because I was compromising myself, my beliefs and the very core of my soul based on my own personal passions. I feel like I'm. So. Uh, Pastor Cherish is coming up. She's going to be playing the piano soon. Listen here. She didn't even know that. She got, I got to come in. Okay. How are we going to do? How are we going to, how are we going to not compromise? Because I just want to go back to Kings. Solomon compromised. His son compromised. His son compromised. It just affected all of the rest of them. But it started with one man's passion as he sat on a porch or on a roof in that passion. He never really checked and taught his kids how to do it right, which led to everyone else falling right in suit. So how are we going to get this right? I'm going to tell you this. If you want to not compromise, you need to do number one. 
This is the most important thing you can do. Most importantest thing you can doest. I, I was trying to speak like King James. Is spend time with God. I'm going to keep that real. I'm going to keep that as hunted as I can. Look, I'm not talking about five minutes a day. That's great. I teach my daughter to, to, to do five minutes a day. I say, what do you, read your Bible. She gets her devotion out. Next thing you know, five minutes later, she's done. All right, that's great. When I was a child, I thought as a child. You are adults. Grow up! I scared you, didn't I? I scared you. Ooh, there you go. I was, I was trying to scare some kids. <laughs> you a preach. Listen. As a child, it's okay to do five minutes a day. When you first got saved, oh, what do you, what do you when your, your, your kids do something nice? Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, baby, you did five minutes a day. Good job. That's amazing. I'm not taking that away from you. You're a new believer. That's so awesome. But God wants more. If you only spend five minutes a day with your wife or your husband, you'd be a little upset. Not alone five minutes a week. Five minutes, it's great when you're starting off. But that's not enough. You got to spend more time with them. Here's what it says. It says this in First Psalms. I mean, it's First Psalms. In Psalms 1, 2, it says this. But his delight, right after he was talking about not walking in the counsel of the wicked, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Meditating on the word day and night. Spending time with God because you're meditating back on his word. You said, God, you said this in word. I want to understand it a little bit more. I'm just, I'm just, I'm going to chew on it. Like Pastor Jody talked about, I don't know, nothing about cows and chewing on the cud or cattle or whatever they chew on, the hay. I'm, I'm from the hood, you know, so I don't know about that. But you meditate on it day and night. But then it says this in Galatians 5, 16. It says this. I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking in the spirit is instead of walking with the enemy, you're walking with God. As you spend time with God, as you, listen, you get around people that have been walking with God for a long time, you feel like you realize that they've been talking to God all day long. Like you get around Pastor Cherish, I can guarantee you she's been talking to God while she's talking to you. That's how awesome God is. Like she's talking with you. She's having a conversation with you, and, she, and she's getting a download from God what to say to you. That's what God wants from us. He wants us just to walk with him on a regular basis so that when those sins of the flesh comes up, you can easily be like, God has got me. I'm here. I'm hearing you, God. You're directing me. I don't have to fall this way. I don't have to compromise in this place. I don't have to compromise this area of my life. Number two, really quick, is you need to be mindful of your thoughts. Because number one is you need to spend time with God. That's important. If you're not plugging into the power source, you're not going to get any power back. Number two is you need to be mindful of your thoughts. It says this in 2 Corinthians. We are destroying arguments in every... We are destroying arguments in all... I'm going to skip to the part that I like. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You got to capture those thoughts. Because you can't control birds from flying over your head but you can control it from building a nest. Those are the the thoughts. You're going to have the thoughts. You're going to have those thoughts. I'm sitting in the room with with Mr. Bill, and I'm like, man, I could punch him right now, and he wouldn't even wake up. Right? I have those thoughts. I'm totally joking, Mr. Bill. I love you. (laughs) You have the thoughts, 
But you got to take that thought captive, lock that thought up, throw away it, throw it away. You got to take every thought. You got to be mindful of what you're thinking about. The issue that I have is that a lot of us are not mindful of what we're thinking about right now. We're letting every thought and we're meditating on every thought that come to our mind. We're, we're meditating on the, Last year, you had the black and white issue. You had the black and police issue. And I have a whole side of my family that's on one side. I have a whole side of my family that's on another side. And if I meditated on the, the evil that each one of them was speaking, it could have easily got me into a ditch. Instead, I chose to believe God's blessings and best for our lives, that he wants each of us to rise up from our ashes so that we can be united as one. When you meditate on the evil, you're going to fall off. One of the reasons you feel the way you do about a certain politician, or one of the ways you feel the way you do about a certain group of people, one of the ways you feel a certain way you do about a certain football team is because you're meditating on that football team and that politician. You get what I'm saying? The reason you hate Tennessee so much is because you spend so much time hating them. You spend so much time thinking that they're a horrible team. And they are a horrible team, Pastor Ronnie. We're not taking that away from you. They're a horrible team. We're not taking that away. But just as much as, as Tennessee is a horrible team... Uh, George's is a choke master, so it doesn't matter. When you spend time thinking on it, you guys, it's what's going to be prevalent in your life. It's what's going to consume your every thought. You wonder why you compromise. You're easy able to compromise in those areas. If you didn't think about that woman and how good she looked and how much, how well she smelled when she walked past, you wouldn't be so close to almost giving in your life and the life of your relationship with your wife to that relationship. I probably said that horribly wrong, but you know what I'm saying. If you don't sit there and meditate on it, if you don't dwell on it, if you instead take that thought captive and throw it away, it has no place in your life. Finally, number three. This is a big one for us during this season. You need to stay accountable. Who do you have in your life that you can be accountable with? As I tell the students, that you keep it 100 with. I actually say, keep it 100. That you keep it 100 with. Who are you being accountable with? Tell them what thoughts that you're struggling with. Tell them the areas that you know is a downfall or a pit to you. It's, I can guarantee you, if Solomon had a, a man of God, that he can say, hey, listen here. I have a tendency to love the ladies. And I need somebody to keep me accountable so that I don't make... Loving the ladies, my lifestyle. I guarantee you he wouldn't have gotten a pit. Pastor Craig Goshell, Craig, Craig Goshell, if you haven't heard of him, he's a, the pastor of Life Church, and he also gives us the Bible app on our phone. It came from his church. I encourage you to listen to what he has to say. He tells us this. When he goes certain places, because he knows what his tendencies are to failure, he puts certain things in place. He rarely goes traveling by himself. He has the TV where he can't get on the TV. I believe that's what he said. He has his assistant have control of his phone so that he can't get on certain apps. When you're willing to take the necessary steps so that you don't fall, you're not going to fall. When you're willing to take the necessary steps so that you don't compromise your life, you're going to be victorious. And God wants all of us to be victorious. We are overcomers. 
but we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the what? The word of our testimony. Let your testimony be what I once struggled in this area, but I got the help I needed, so now I'm better. I once had a compromising life, but based on what God did in my life and how he changed it, I now no longer compromise my core value, compromise my family, compromise my well-being, compromise my ministry because of what I've done before. So if you're watching online or you're here in person, you can live a life of no compromise. All you got to do is if you've done it before, you've got to ask God to forgive you. The beautiful part is that he is faithful and just to forgive us of what we've done. And then he cleanses us of all unrighteousness. It's the first step of giving over it. So well, everybody's here, if you will, if you will bow your head and close your eyes, I want to tell you this, that God is so good. He knew where you would be right now. And I want you, while you're at your seats, while your head's about, just ask the Holy Spirit, what is he saying to me right now? God, what are you saying to us about this message? Because I know it's not based on what I said. It's about what you're saying to us. So while you're here, if you feel like the Lord is tugging on you, or you're watching online and you feel like the Lord is tugging on you, that I want to get my life right. I want to change this life of compromise, and I want to serve the Lord. I want to get it right. I want to live victorious. If that's you, are you here in person, or you're watching online, I want you to go ahead and throw your hands up. Put your hands up really quick and then you put it back down. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I saw that. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Saw that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. Now let's go. We're going to say this prayer. Whether you're praying, um, let me make sure I say this correctly. We're going to pray the sinner's prayer. Simply asking Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. Everybody's here is going to pray. We're going to repeat it after me. And if you're praying it for your first time, that's awesome. We have something special we want to tell, tell you. And also, if you're praying this prayer, if you ask God that you need to get this compromised life right, we're going to pray with you. So let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for your son, Jesus, that he came to earth to die for me. I believe with my heart and I confess with my life that Jesus is Lord. I thank you, Lord, for that come and save me now. And Father, I just thank you for everybody that's here, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that the word is penetrating your heart. And Holy Spirit, you are revealing to those people, revealing to those people right now what you want to do. I thank you, Lord, for newly fine-tuned, committed lives for you. No longer compromise. Lord, that you reveal to us this week of what areas that we may be compromising in so that we can repent of it and we can get it right. Be with us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Look, if you prayed that prayer for the first time receiving Lord, we want to give you a hand clap. Now, if after we're said and done here, if you need prayer for anything, we're going to have prayer partners located in the back where it says prayer partners on the booth. They want to pray with and for you for any need that you may have. We want to thank you guys for being here. And always, as we leave, we just want to encourage you guys with this word as found in the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 6. It says, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord give you his countenance and give you his peace. Have a great rest of your week. Hope you guys see you next time. Hope you guys see you next. Look at the English. See you guys next time. 
If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time. Oh,